0: previously on the Tony Cornizer Show. And she says, just first, you've got to fill out a couple of forms. And I said, Evelyn, I'm really sorry I didn't bring my glasses. It's hard for me to fill them out. And she said, you know what I'll do? I'll ask you the questions and I'll fill in your answers. How great is this customer service? Evelyn's doing great. How great is Evelyn compared to the woman in the other one <laughs> who turned her back on me? <laughs> right? <laughs> turned her back on me. Right. Wouldn't you- I didn't exist. <laughs> right. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. From Andy Moy in Springfield, Virginia. My daughter's name is Evelyn. She's very kind. Any chance it was her at the CBS, <laughs> she's five years old, about three feet tall. Loves playing with her doctor kit. And Could from Chad, must do it online. Turned her back and walked away, saved by Evelyn. It's lovely. I have a I think an You think interesting... you had to go to a Target. Hmm? You had to go to a Target. I did. But it was a CVS inside a Target. But that's the
1: first time I, I can. I, this is the first time I've ever heard of you going into a
0: Target. I went to a Target the first time to get a booster on 16th Street. There was a CVS inside of that. I'm good with Targets now, yeah. as long as you show me where the pharmacy is. Sure, you're regular. This is a very interesting um, email from Dr. Tom O'Brien. And he writes, I'm a partner in two businesses heavily involved with COVID testing, from rapid tests to PCR to sequencing new variants. If you would like to see if you are producing antibodies to the virus, which offer protection, I'd be glad to test you. It, of course, would be on the arm, as they said, where I grew up on the Yonkers Bronx line. We have a multiplex test that not only determines if you have antibody, but measures antibodies from infection and vaccination separately in the same reaction. I'm just guessing here that you don't like needles. Our tests can be run off dried blood spots. It's very similar to how they collect and test newborns. We have card collection kits we mail out. Of course, I can always hand deliver. We are working on these types of collection for limited resource areas of the globe. I must say many friends and family members have taken advantage of our services again on the arm. A lot of typical nose swabbing for PCR testing in my kitchen the last two years, but I did not say that. By the way... I was a part of a startup once with a doctor who tells you not to shovel. It's Dr. Rubin. He told me you were his best advertising. I should hope so. (laughs) I should hope so. I'm now too old to shovel. P.S. When I ran a bio-threat program for the Navy in Bethesda in the 80s, I was hit with every experimental vaccine at Fort Detrick for such threats each week for years. I also received every travel vaccine based on our operations across the globe. I took the U.K. anthrax vaccine as well. Once in Zambia, rabbit anti-anthrax antibody for a key test was lost. So I bled myself and used my sera to identify 26 anthrax isolates. Lots of laughs. Don't even get me going about Saddam's anthrax factory. Well, we hope that's shut down. <laughs> yes, we do. But, okay, the reason I'm reading this is because, like so many people, when you see the statistics on COVID and when you hear from so many of people who are your age and in your general demographic that they've had it and it was a cough for a couple of days or sneezing for a couple of days it leads a person like me to believe well maybe i had it i don't think i ever had it i took all the vaccines there are i don't think i ever had it but maybe i had it and if i did i would be producing some antibody that would that would work right michael i mean that's
1: yeah when they've come out with these studies i'll put myself in a different demo than you but i look at the numbers for my age group and and everyone has had it, so I'd be very interested in that test.
0: Right, so so Dr. Tom O'Brien, we need Frankly, to talk I'd be to interested
1: him. in it for the kids, just because yes. they're still not vaccine-eligible.
0: Yes, we could do that. So as you hear Michael's back from South Carolina stories... Spring By the way, a 22. couple of those, those emails are for you that you would understand and we do. uh Yes, yeah. so one of them is from the movie Encanto.
1: I will clear is that, that Bruno? up. Bruno. Let, uh, yes, yes, let's talk Bruno. about Bruno. Okay. Uh, I have not seen Encanto. Walker is uh, not ready for full-length feature films, though he likes to tell certain people on the playground, that he's uh, uh, very well connected to the film industry. There, uh, <laughs> no. So uh, I don't know anything about Bruno except that it did not get nominated. I think for the Grammys, and there was some oh. there was some back and forth because it became a viral hit, and there was about. I thought the, Bruno was a Sasha Baron Cohen movie. So that's where my mind went immediately, right. and that is, I guess, showing how old you are. But yeah, and yeah, it's a terrible movie. He's brilliant, but it's a terrible movie. Yes, it's ter- actually terrible. Both those statements. He's yeah. brilliant, awful yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah. So, uh, No, spring break was wonderful. The boys had some time off. Uh, my in-laws were were great to have us down there. And, and again, this centered around my being able to go to the Masters. So thank you to you for having me on. Thank you for the listeners for letting me geek out. It was, it was actually very cool for me because the first time I went was 2004 with you, got to walk the course with you. This is 18 years later. This was sort of another birthday celebration for me. And it was this transition where I was not walking the course with my dad for the, for the first time or again in 2018. I was walking it with a friend sort of through the eyes of... Of of golf course architecture and it was then cool to see over the weekend where some of the spots that we were hanging out became pretty important including just left of number four where you're sitting or number three rather where you're going i don't know how anyone hits the green from right here and keeps it on chips in scheffler chips in chips in uh but to the drive i'm sure i'm not alone when i when i sort of i set a target number uh, and what was great is back in the day when you had those uh, the GPS systems, they didn't take into account traffic, so you had a number. If you were not beating that number by one or two states later, you were furious. <laughs> so we have now decided it's actually better for us to delay the start of our trip, South Carolina, D.C., about eight and a half hours with one regular stop, you know, bathroom break, food, gas. And if you want to, it's a comfortable nine hours for one or two stops. Say for you, you'd probably do it 9, nine fifteen. I like to hold tight to that eight thirty number, and the boys are very well trained. And we figured out if we can get them to sleep for two hours in the middle, we can delay that start. So coming northbound, if I can get through Smithfield, North Carolina, exit ninety-five, we get a ham. I'm Smithfield, great. a ham. I'm sure. great. And if and if we have to, we stop there. You go to the sheets. Maybe you get a, a schmuffin if you're feeling it. Uh, right. There's a Starbucks. Starbucks is great for the little kids. Walker's not afraid of of sort of the size of that place. Uh, we got crushed. We got crushed in Fredericksburg. Everybody Every gets crushed time. in
0: Freder- Fredericksburg. Everybody does. Every time you go north or south and you get to Fredericksburg, for reasons that make no sense to me, because the amount of lanes is the same, and you've been traveling very well, you get to Fredericksburg, it's over.
1: It's it's like sun glare. It's, you're slamming on the brakes. Everyone, it, it just feels... It, it's the worst way to end a drive. Uh, but every, every time now we go by exit 104, northbound or southbound, we say a little thank you uh, that we were able to get off in Bowling Green and get home over Christmas so easily. No, the uh, drive ended up being okay. It was a great week. Okay, good.
0: Makes me happy. Did you watch the Nats last night? A happy birthday to me. I did. Great yeah. first inning. Yeah. Get yeah. out of that with a 3-1 lead. 3-1 lead. Um, they have a starting pitcher named, his last name is Aden, A-D-O-N. I think his first name is Juan, pronounced Juan, I'm not sure. Can't pitch. Can't get out of the fifth. No starter for the Nats can get out of the fifth. They just can't. Just Corbin, see, Corbin has 80 pitches going into the third. <laughs> he can't get out of the third. So Aiden couldn't get out of the fifth. His earned run average after two or three starts is 10. That's earned run average. That's not a runs allowed. That's earned runs allowed. It's 10. You can't be in the majors with 10. You can't be in the majors and be Victor Robles and have no hits. You can't be in the majors. You can't hit major league pitching. You can't be a major league pitcher if your earned run average is 10. You can't be a starter. There's hope for Josiah Gray. Certainly there's yeah. hope for Josiah Gray. The Pittsburgh Pirates are the worst team in baseball. And the Nats are now 1-1 one one against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Am I right on that? Or are they 0-1? Oh this is the 0-1. Oh 0-1 oh against the Pittsburgh game. Pirates. They're n- so the
1: pitching matchup, if you thought his ERA was bad, the other guy was about four or five runs worse, and at least he got out of that. He's down to
0: 982. Brew Baker. nine2 better than
1: 10. five total pitches. they're not going to make it out of April with the way that they're going through a bullpen.
0: can't you just have to keep bringing up people yeah. who then aren't ready for the majors who hit the Mets in the head. and, and of course, if you're Buck show Walter and the Mets, you're angry. That's of new course. Baseballs. Of course you are. These people are not ready to be in the majors. The Nats are bad. They're real right? They're a 50 to 60 win team. They're really bad. Sure.
1: I mean, we're a weekend. We don't have any expectations for this. I would point you to what happened between the Braves and the Padres. Uh, they give up five hits to Machado, they lose yep. that one. They lost the
0: opening series to. Uh, to the Nats as they're giving out their rings. I mean, baseball's a weird sport. Well, it is, and, and it's typified by Vlad Garo Jr., who had three homers and a double against Garrett Cole and others the other night, and struck out four times last night. Yeah, feast and famine. That's how it works. That's baseball. So yesterday was such a beautiful morning, and I, I I decided I would sneak away, and I would go play, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 holes, and so I, I leave the house, I get to the golf course, the, the you can't get out until 8 o'clock in the morning. But I got there by 7.30, so I could say to whoever I had to say something to, like Greg Lecker, who's the starter, I said, well, I'm here, I'd love to get in the first group, because I'm fast. You know, the other day, I did 15 holes in two hours yeah, and 15 minutes. No, you don't No, I just, just want to hit the shots to get there. That's now, you slow down in the bunkers. When I take nine shots in three <laughs> yeah, holes. 17 <laughs> front left might take you a while. Nine shots in three holes. Yeah. Okay. So I get there and as I'm walking up, I see there's a lot of carts and they already have bags on them. And I get this sinking feeling that, oh, and I ask, is there an event today? And they go, it's women's opening day. I couldn't play. I, you know, I didn't know. Today is the regular opening days, but I knew I couldn't play because I was doing a podcast. But yesterday I thought I could sneak in and I I just couldn't do it. I wasn't angry or anything. I went up to the range for a little while, yeah. hit some balls because it was a beautiful morning. And, it was gorgeous. And then Try out, out that front putting green? No, I didn't yeah. do that. I I don't putt, it's as you It's not your say. style. No, I just want to hit... <laughs> Between the legs? No, I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to do that. I just... You know, the putting is, as I walk away from the hole, I then hit the putt between my legs going And that going means backwards. this putt was good. Yeah, and it's good. It's always good. I think it's good. <laughs> We're done with this hole. Yeah. Um, so we had a story yesterday. I don't want to belabor this for any great length of time. But we had a story yesterday on PTI about Greg Popovich. Now, if people who listen to the show know I don't like Greg Popovich. I believe that Greg Popovich is cruel, deliberately cruel, To people who do what I do for a living. He makes them feel small. He insults them when they're on the air with him. He he has no regard for them. And I believe he takes joy in that. So I'm not a fan of his personally. I think he's a great coach. He's got five NBA titles. He went to the Olympics and won the Olympics. He's a Hall of Fame guy. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. I mean, I, you know, I think you can hold these two positions simultaneously. Wilbon and Aldridge, and I used to watch him in Barrett's Aldridge, and I hated it. I hated it. David didn't take offense to yes, that. Yes, even though David would be like, it's David fine. David didn't yes. take offense to that. Yeah. So, okay, but I did. I did. Um, and they would always say the same thing. Well, if you, if you, if you split a bottle of wine with Pop, you're going to love him. I mean, he's just a great conversationalist, and he's really smart. But I haven't had that opportunity. Most people haven't had that opportunity. So I look at him in a different way. I also look at him as very courageous. Uh, let me just say this. Greg Popovich is a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy. He's a real guy. He's patriot. Air Force Academy. And he came out and was very, very, very critical of the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. And I think that's courage. Because he's a graduate of the Air Force Academy. You know, he's, he's a rock-ribbed guy. So I give him all the credit in the world. My issue with him is personal. It's just the way he treats people. But I believe that Greg Popovich has earned the right to retire anytime he wants, under any conditions he wants, or never retire. I think he's earned that right. So the story came up that he was asked, after the last game, when San Antonio lost the play-in game to New Orleans, uh, what do you think? You coming back? And he glares at the guy, he glares at everybody. He glares at the guy, and he says, that's an inappropriate question. So I want to do this story on PTI yesterday. And the lead-in says, Tony, what, what word would you call it? And I said, I called it utterly appropriate. And I called it utterly appropriate because Greg Popovich and I share the same age, 73 years old. And I think, as I said... I don't go a week without 20 different people, mostly in my own family, saying, well, when are you getting out of here? (laughs) Right, Michael? When when are you getting out of here? Isn't it time for you to get out? And I think that's fair. And I believe that Greg Popovich probably asks himself almost every day, "Is, is it time? Should I be getting out? Should I do it again? I think Mike Krzyzewski asked himself that for a couple of years and then finally said it's time. He reached the magic number of 75 in his head, and he said it's time. Jim Beheim' 77. He's still going. Everybody's got a different clock. Everybody knows. I don't know that everybody knows when to get out, but I remember this. I remember a couple of years ago, Bob Lee of ESPN, who's younger than I am, five, six, seven years younger than I am. Bob Lee one day said, "That's it. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. That day. right? Remember that? Yeah. That day, I'm done. I want to do this, I want to do that, and I'm done here. And people said, whoa. And ESPN said, what would you like? We'll give you anything you'd like. Whatever to show you, we love you. And he said, I'm done. Now I don't know Bob Lee real well. I just know him to say hello. But I'd like to ask him, did you do the right thing? Because I think he was only 65. Did you do the right thing? Has it worked out? Are you happy with the decision? I tried to call Tom Boswell a few months ago. He didn't take my call. He didn't return a call. I tried to call him because he, he and I, well, he's a year older than I am, I think, or maybe we're the same age. Tom retired last June. I'd like to know, is it right? Do you feel good? Did you do the right thing? Because I, I don't want to do it. I really like the podcast, and I really like the PTI show. But what you don't want is somebody coming up to you and taking you aside and say, This is it. This is it. Make over, your point over the keys. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me the keys. So I don't you know, I felt it was don't you feel it was appropriate? To, Popovich got angry. Of course he gets angry at everything. Oh yeah, it's his move. But it's he's cause he what the reason it's appropriate is not only did he just lose his last game and has he been l- far less of a winning coach since Tim Duncan left and since Kawhi Leonard left. But he's got this five, six month break. You know, I mean he's got he's not working for a while. There's no season for a while. So he's gonna have time to ruminate over this. I just, you know, I believe he's probably thinking about it. I believe that everybody gets to an age, whether it's in their sixties or their seventies or wherever, their eighties. And they think, okay, is it is it time? Oh no. Uh we'll take a break. Brian Windhorst will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: This is Ralph Rillen who writes I have another original song I'm hoping you will consider playing on the podcast. I'm a local performing musician and songwriter, most importantly, a loyal little. I can't tell you how special it is that you air songs from people like myself. Thank you for that. It's always a thrill. It's our pleasure. And this is beautiful. It's our pleasure. You have talent. We're clowns, <laughs> okay? We're clowns. We're bozos. You have real talent. Ralph Rilla. It's called Real Love. Plays in Brian Windhorse. I love Brian Windhorse. He was on the show with us yesterday on PTI, and we asked, I asked the question, because no matter what else is going on in the NBA, you know that it's going to take eight weeks to finish. you don't really have to concentrate on it now. So you can concentrate on the one thing that is fascinating more than anything else, which is the total disintegration of the Los Angeles Lakers. It's fascinating. (laughs) Wilbon hates talking about it. I can talk about it every single day. Because when LeBron James, who Brian knows very, very well, went to the same high school, when LeBron James doesn't make the playoffs, it's very hard to consider him seriously when he says, I'm the greatest player of all time. Because it's a five-man sport. This isn't a nine-man sport or an 11-man sport. If you don't make the playoffs at all, some of that responsibility is yours. Kareem didn't make the playoffs one year. LeBron's now not made the playoffs two years. So we asked, Brian, what should the Lakers do? Could you repeat your answer? Because it was so great.
4: (laughs) I mean, first off, remember when LeBron made the finals every year? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, now he's uh, he's gone by by May or whatever. Um, first off, Tony, they're in a real bind, and so um, they got a guy who's he's going to pick up his player option for forty seven million. And Russell Westbrook is is daunting of a of a player to trade as I've ever seen in the NBA. Even though he's only got one year on his contract, I mean, historically, if a guy's got one year on his contract, you can trade him. So the Lakers, and I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to underscore this, but they need to call every other team, Tony, and they need to say, tell us anything you will give us for Russell Westbrook. We're not even negotiating. Just, just tell us that you, the players that your coach hates. Tell us the contracts that your owner hates. We will take any." breathing nba players in a, that will, for, for russell westbrook help us clear your books we'll take your tired your poor your bad contracts and then when the 29 teams say no because i think they will <laughs> you call back again like two weeks later just in case something has changed and then you call back again two weeks after that the, the, the lakers playoffs should be spent in a in a war room. I shouldn't say war right now. I'm sorry. In a in a strategy room, trying to figure out ways to trade Russell Westbrook because I don't think it's gonna. I don't think that the, the thing about it is they don't have another path. It's not like you can say, well, we should either trade Westbrook or trade this guy. They don't have a path, Tony. The reason that they're in big trouble isn't just because they got Westbrook and it didn't work. Trades and draft picks don't work out. It's the nature of, you know, it's human life. You're not always perfect. It's that when they did the Westbrook trade, they used the last of their usable trade assets. And so they have painted themselves into a corner. And the only two ways out, I really think, are finding any three or two NBA players or cutting him and eating the entire $47 million. I don't think bringing him back is going to work.
0: Um, why wouldn't Houston, who's already paying John Wall $43 million to not play, why wouldn't Houston trade John Wall for Russell Westbrook?
4: Oh, I think they would. And they would say, please send over your 2027 first-round draft pick. Um, and that's a a giant, giant thing for the uh, Lakers to swallow because yeah. LeBron James isn't going to be there in 2027. They've already mortgaged their their future, um, uh, you know, in their short-term future because of the Anthony Davis trade. You know, I saw Rob Palenka said the other day, well, we've been here before, and he was referring to back in 2000, after LeBron's first year in 2019 when they missed the playoffs, And that's a nice thing to say. But 2019 to now couldn't be more different. In 2019, yeah, that team failed. But they had a lottery pick, Tony, which, oh, it jumped up to number four. That was lovely. Guess what? Their lottery pick lives in New Orleans. Thank you very much. They had salary cap space. Remember, not only did they trade for Anthony Davis, they were in the market to sign – Kawhi Leonard. Now, he didn't choose it there, but they they had LeBron, Anthony Davis, and they could have signed Kawhi Leonard. Tony, they have zero money to spend. I'm not even sure they can re-sign Malik Monk. The only way Malik Monk stays, who's their only successful acquisition last year, is if he takes a discount tonight, and then his market's going to be. They have none of that. And back then, they had all their draft picks. So they were able to trade, you know, Brandon Ingram and uh, their draft picks to get Anthony Davis. They don't have a single tradable piece other than maybe Taylor Horton Tucker, and his value is lesser now than it was a year ago. So it's not the same spot. And so, Tony, when you ask Jeannie Buss, who has to be responsible for the franchise, can we trade our 2027 pick when we've already got our whole draft between now and then compromised? To get another player who hasn't played in a year and makes $40 million it And by the way, the one thing I'll say about Russell Westbrook, at least he plays in games, Tony. He plays. John Wall doesn't even play. And by yeah. the way, I will say this. If that trade happens, like let's say that there's some sort of maneuver that happens and they do do a Wall-Westbrook trade and the Lakers throw in two second-round picks or they, a pick swap or whatever. Let's say they make that trade. I will nominate Raphael Stone, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, for a special designation award because he will have picked up a draft pick for trading away Russell Westbrook. Remember, when they traded right. Russell Westbrook to Washington, they got for John Wall and a first-round pick. Right. And then they, will, they would undo the trade and get another draft pick. That, that's the situation, the sort of ridiculous arbitrage. Situation here. So, if that's your best option, is trading John Wall and including a draft pick for a guy who hasn't played in a year and is almost never healthy? That's a heck of a. That's not. That's almost not what I mean when I say breathing NBA players.
0: Yeah, I want to just underline something that you said. Their next number one draft pick is in 2027. The last time I looked at the calendar was 2022. <laughs> right now, well, so they, that's they've a l-
4: got picks. They've got picks. They like they, they. They've got picks, but they can't trade them.
0: Well, uh, let me ask this: They fired their coach. Why is their GM still there? And how long it is what are the chances LeBron will actually leave this year and not be back next year?
4: I don't think he wants to leave. I think he's still committed. His son is going to be a senior in high school. He wants to see him play. He loves living in Los Angeles. He loves it. Um, he and you know, Tony, no matter what you say about what this has become a mess and LeBron is now becoming a regular being a, 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 a spectator of the playoffs, which is, as you mentioned, a, a pretty significant insult to his well, legacy. He's still a
0: great player. He's still a great player.
4: Yeah, yeah. but he's, his team has been awful. But he does have right. that ring, Tony. He, the, the banner's yep. up there, 2020, and it's that's legitimate right. and it counts. And I don't care what anybody says about the bubble. They can stick it. Um, that's a, That was a great championship to win. And so, like, you know, Palenka can can tell you, and frankly, he's told me, you know, you don't give me enough credit for for the 2020 title, and I'm like, you know, you're right. You won. I, I, that ring lives forever. Um, uh, but I would just say that if you gave Red Auerbach, if you if Red came back and was given control of the Lakers, he would have a miserable time trying to get out of this situation. You know, pick your great executives in, in league history, uh, or in any sport the situation that they're in, even with an incredible executive, it would be very difficult for them to, to wiggle out of it. And Rob has, while he did build a championship team two years ago, um, Rob has not proven to be, um, making good decisions over the last two years. And you could say that LeBron influenced them or whatever, and that would be true. But Rob has stood up and said that he made these decisions. And, um, the other thing that's difficult about the Lakers, Tony, is that they don't necessarily pay the most money for coaches. Um, and so, I mean, like they didn't get Kyron Liu a couple years ago because they wouldn't pay him. And the Lakers are kind of—they're a, um, a rich organization that's that's it's, it's that's not actually really wealthy because their ownership is—you know—I I mean, they're worth billions. So I'm—I'm I'm not comparing them to my bank account, but. They don't have the, the, the resources that most other teams do. Um, and, and so they have to be careful on how they spend money on yeah. non-players, and they are. And so Frank Vogel was their at least third choice to be head coach. So when I see, I mean, the Laker job is a very highly desirable job, but there will be people crawling all over themselves to get the Laker job. But when I see people mentioned who are working for other teams in contract, I think how are the Lakers going to do that? Number one, they're not they're they're not going to win a bidding war, and number two, they have nothing to trade for the coach. And those teams aren't just going to be like, "Okay, you want to get out and go coach the Lakers? All right, we like you. Go ahead." That's just not going to happen. So it's it's going to be a real, real challenge. It, the, the, the greatest executive in league history would have difficulty e- extracting the Lakers from the from the situation they're currently in. But they're in Los Angeles. People want to be there. And they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. It is not hopeless.
0: I'd love talking about the Lakers. I sort of love their misery. It doesn't, you know, (laughs) I mean, growing up with the Knicks, who are terrible. They're a terrible franchise. The Lakers are a great franchise. The Celtics yeah. and the Lakers are the two greatest franchises. The Knicks have won two times. I mean, stop. When Wilbon says the Knicks, the Knicks says, I so said, what? Do you study this? The Knicks are garbage. You know, when there was an eight-team league, the only thing you could count on is the Knicks wouldn't be in the playoffs. Six of the eight teams would be in, and the Knicks wouldn't be in. I'll give you one more question. It's also endlessly fascinating. Ben Simmons, what's the deal with this guy? What? what a, you know, what? Is he going to play? And if he plays, can he do anything at all other than, you know, offense? I mean, I know he'll play defense. I know he can rebound. But I would imagine, having heard you say this, he has no offensive capabilities whatsoever.
4: So I was on TV all day yesterday, including your show, reporting that he could come back as early as game four. And I felt really strange about reporting this because I think that's, a wild uh, turn of events and, but it's credible, <laughs> you know, it's credible, uh, it's credible sourcing. And so I felt bad. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to get slaughtered in, in 15 days when this guy isn't playing, but they're saying game four five or six. So here I go. And, um, you know, Tony, let's just say, let's for a moment. Let's just say that his back is okay enough to play. And that, in Game Four, which is not for another like eleven or t- ten or eleven days, so it's not like it's, you know, in next week. Let's say he goes out there and plays. Um, tell me why the Boston Celtics wouldn't just foul him like every time.
0: fact put because him on the line, can't the,
4: Yeah, I mean, if you're the Celtics and you're like, okay, well, Durant could shoot on this possession, or Kyrie could shoot on this possession. We don't like that. Uh, we do like Ben Simmons at the foul line, so let's just foul him every time. And, I mean, maybe you wouldn't foul him with 10 minutes left to go in a period, but considering that this guy is, been, is very clearly uncomfortable right now, not just with his back, but with the state of his offensive game, and he elects to come into the game, this is a playoff. This isn't like you know a preseason game that you're playing in Providence. This isn't, you know, a regular season game in November where you're not going to install a game plan, uh, a detailed game plan. Why wouldn't you punish the Nets and try to force Ben Simmons off the floor because he is an improvement on their defense? I, if I were the Celtics, I would dare the Nets to put Ben Simmons out there. Um, having said that, the thing that holds the Nets back in my mind from being the team to beat in the East is that they don't defend, Tony, they don't defend. I watched them on Tuesday against the Cavs. Durant and Kyrie, I think combined, went 14 of 15 in the first half. 14 of 15. Good luck Cleveland Cavaliers in that game. But you know what? It was a six-point game with three minutes to play because they can't get stops. They, they Every single game, they have five or six minutes where they literally don't get one stop. And the idea that you could put Ben Simmons out there for those five or six minutes in each half, and he could be out there on Jason Tatum or out there on Jalen Brown, like it, in theory, really would make a nice difference. But if I'm the Celtics, I'm, I got, I'm ready for that situation, and I'm putting Ben Simmons to the test within seconds of him walking into the game. That's what I would do. It's
0: such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. Have a good weekend. Brian Windhorse, fabulous. He's fabulous. By the I don't know if you saw the news about John Wall. No. He, he exercises player option, so it's not $42 million. 47. 47. Not to play. Of course he exercises player option. Oh, absolutely. If he has it, of <laughs> course he did. Why not? If he didn't, he'd be insane. <laughs> and we'll take a break. Tim Kirchchen. When we return, I think I might ask a couple of questions about the Nets. <laughs> Tim Kirchchen. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This
3: is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Mr. Eesh, Mr. I'd have probably done the same thing too He gets paid to make sure Kershaw lasts the season through He's been heard every year and the season is long That's why he's managing and I'm here writing songs Mr i
0: have probably done the same thing too. Dan Byrne with an unbelievable turnaround on Clayton Kershaw within a day. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. He writes Initially, I disagreed with Roberts taking Kershaw out of the game, but after further consideration, maybe Roberts does know best, so this is my musical offering for all of that. History Schmistery is what the name of the song is, and it plays in Tim Kirkchen. And I guess, you know what? Why don't we start with that? Why don't we start with that? I had. Um, No problem at all with Dave Roberts, who has yanked guys before in this situation, yanking Clayton Kershaw. And I'll give you my background on this. It's very simple. Clayton Kershaw hurt his elbow last year and missed a lot of time. He didn't hurt his sternum. He didn't hurt his ankle. He hurt his elbow on his throwing arm. He struck out 13 people. He's allowed absolutely nothing. He's going to Cooperstown. Everybody says, oh, perfect game. There's only 23 perfect games. You can't even name 10 people who have perfect games. It, I, I, to me, I have no problem at all with him taking Kershaw out. And I know what Kershaw said. He said, I'd like to have stayed in. But if he wanted to stay in, he could have pulled a Max Scherzer and said to Dave Roberts, get the hell off the mound. Get out of here. So you know a lot more about baseball than I do, Tim. Did you have a problem with it?
2: No, I don't have a problem with it, Tony. Am I happy about this development in baseball? No, I am not. But you are absolutely right. We have conditioned our pitchers, and especially our pitchers, that we're only going to throw 100 pitches. And after a shortened spring training, we're only going to throw 80 pitches. And when you've had a history of injuries like Kershaw, we're going to be even more cautious. Now, I think we've been way too cautious with our Mm -hmm. pitchers, especially over the years. And as cautious as we've been, they keep getting hurt. It's a paradox. And yet, I had no problem with what he did. I wasn't surprised at all because this is how the game is played today. Am I happy about that? No, but this is what we do. Just keep in mind, Tony, speaking of Max Scherzer, Bob Gibson had more shutouts in 1968, 13, than Max Scherzer has complete games in his career, 12. Wow. And he is a warrior, a warrior (laughs) today. Wow. So this is how much the game has changed. We're very confident of protecting our pitchers. So that was a classic case. We're going to protect Clayton
0: Kershaw. I mean, Wilbon went crazy about, you know, analytics and all of this other stuff. And my other point would be, Tim, it's the second week of the season. You know, his his arm isn't even good yet. I mean, I think if this is deep into July, I'd maybe feel a different way, but I I didn't then. I thought, okay, I mean, it's Clayton Kershaw. He's got nothing to prove, right? He's going to Cooperstown. He's great. He's great.
2: He was in Cooperstown the moment he hit 10 years of Major League uh, time. That's what you must have in order to get in there. He has the lowest ERA of any starting pitcher in the live ball era. He's going to go in, should be, unanimously. That's how good he's been. And yet you're right. He's always hurt, at least the last few years. They're going to need him in October so why push him in April when they need him in October? And I think I could name all the guys who pitched a perfect game, by the way. Not like really? that makes not like that's important, but I probably could. I don't I'm not doing that here though.
0: I don't want you to do that. <laughs> and by the way, and I'm just not. to under underline what you're saying, there aren't that many teams who are looking at October. The Los Angeles Dodgers are looking at October. They're not going to be eliminated in August. They're not. Let me get to some other thing. We talked about this yesterday on the air. I I think it was really interesting what happened between Bob Melvin and Gabe Kapler the other day. Giants, to set the scene for people that don't know what I'm talking about, Giants are playing the Padres. In the second inning, the Giants are up nine runs. A guy steals second base. You know? People look around, Padres look around and go, what is this guy doing? In the sixth inning, the Giants are also still up nine runs. And a guy bunts for a base hit. And Bob Melvin starts screaming at the Giants' dugout. And the next day, Gabe Kapler said, look, you know, uh, I'm not stopping playing. I'm not limiting the tools that I have at my disposal. I don't care what somebody else thinks about this. That's not the way I want to play. And Tim, this this runs into what we all know are the unwritten rules of baseball. And Gabe Kapler is saying, don't give me this junk. I'm going to keep trying to win. What are your thoughts about that for Gabe Kapler and Bob Melvin and baseball?
2: Well, I wrote like 7,000 words on the unwritten rules a few years ago in a story I wrote. So I I understand the unwritten rules. I totally understand why Bob Melvin was upset. Because here's, what, here, here's, why, and here's why I, as the manager, would have uh, advised Mauricio Dubon to not steal a base, not drop a bunt, because what is the point of doing that? All you're going to do is wake up your opponent, you're going to anger them, and potentially you're going to end up in some sort of retaliation in which someone might get hurt. Someone might get suspended, and you're doing that just so you can move up 90 feet on a certain play. Now, I don't have a problem with, hey, these are professional athletes, we shouldn't embarrass it, and we shouldn't rub it in. They they should play all 27 outs. You know, Brandon McCarthy, former pitcher, told me, if I were an NFL team, I would be throwing bombs up 65 to nothing. That's the way it should be when you're playing the game, but it doesn't work that way in baseball. Like it or not, you violate those rules and someone on your team might get hurt, and it's simply not worth it for to bunt in it when you're up by 10 runs.
0: It was the bunt that got to me, because you're showing somebody up. Now, I understand why you might want to show up the Padres, because God knows if there's a team that has violated all the rules, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. have done that for a bunch of years. I understand that. But still, Tim, I, 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 in the second inning, what did I say on television? You're not in victory formation in the second inning. But in the sixth, up nine to bunt, if I'm Melvin, and God bless Melvin, I would have told a pitcher, drill the next guy up. Right, Tim? Didn't you expect that? Drill the next guy up.
2: Yeah, well, we don't do that very much anymore, Tony, which is good because I don't like anybody getting drilled. But the retaliation thing isn't that big of a deal anymore for this reason our players today don't look at the game like the players did 30 years ago they're not offended when somebody swings 3-0 and hits a homer up by 10 runs or steals a base up by 10 runs if that had happened 20 years ago 30 years ago 50 years ago uh three guys would have gone down over that. That's just how it worked. I told you, Tony, that Stan Williams, the old pitcher who pitched in the 60s, used to carry around a list in his cap. And I asked him once, what's that list you have in your cap? And he said, those are the guys I got to get. And I said, why do you keep it in your cap? And he said, "So I don't forget anyone. And then he didn't get one guy that he needed to hit. And then he hit him in an old-timers game. This is how it used to work. It doesn't work this way anymore. Our players are not offended like they used to be when you steal when you're 10 runs ahead. But Bob Melvin played at a different time, so he was clearly offended.
0: And it was indeed Fernando Tatis Jr. up 10-3, to took a 3-0 pitch over the wall for a grand slam and 14-3 to in the 8th. And if you think people on the other team were happy with that, at least the older people, they were not happy with that. Let me shift gears utterly. Um, I was stunned last week to see that the Nats are for sale. Totally stunned. I'm going to ask you sort of, and I know you understand it locally because of where you live, but I'm going to ask you the national perspective on this, the baseball perspective on this. Uh, How is baseball in New York reacting to what I think is an unbelievably quick sale of a team, 15 years. Are you kidding me?
2: Yeah, I'm surprised too, Tony. But I will tell you, I spoke to someone who's really smart and understands this stuff during the lockout. And he explained to me that owners are driving such a hard bargain here because they I'm just quoting this guy off the record because they recognize that baseball is not going in the right direction financially that even though teams are still making money and franchise values still are going up they're not going up at the same rate that they used to and five ten years from now maybe baseball won't be as healthy as it is now financially. So maybe owning a baseball team five or ten years from now is not as great an investment as it is today. The learners are tremendous businessmen, and maybe they look at it and say, we got to move, and we got to move now. I'm still surprised that that happened, and we'll see where it goes from here.
0: They had to be thinking about it. They didn't arrive at this decision overnight. They had to have been thinking about it in family meetings for quite some time. Do you know what Major League Baseball will look for in an owner now? Because you don't want a pattern where people start buying and selling, you know, like it's a fruit stand. You don't want that.
2: Right. I'm not sure, Tony, what baseball is looking for in ownership anymore. This, and I've told you this, has been one of the biggest changes in the 42 years that I've covered. There used to be, you know, ownership of this was their only business. I own the yeah. baseball team. I run the baseball team, as Jerry Hoffberger used to do, and even Bud Seelig on a different level used to do. We don't do that anymore. So that make the learners build shopping malls. They're not baseball guys, and they've done a nice job with the team, spent a lot of money, all that stuff. But I think we're looking for people who have a ton of money, who have billions of dollars to spend. That's what baseball is going to be looking for is a really rich owner more than anything else.
0: I watch the Nats, I'm a Nats fan. My first thought about this is, oh, is this good or bad for keeping Juan Soto? What do you think?
2: Well, I think it's bad for for keeping Juan Soto. I think this shows to some degree that learners say, well, we might have to spend half a billion dollars to keep that guy. And why, let's get out before we have to give him that much money. That was my initial response. But Then I spoke to a general manager yesterday who told me he thinks the franchise value goes up if you sign Juan Soto. And now the new owner comes in, and one of the best hitters we've ever seen, one of the greatest young hitters of all time, is locked up for 12 years. That, that would make the value of the franchise go up. That's how he explained it to me. So I'm, I'm now debating, is it better to have him sign long-term or worse long-term if you're going to sell the team? Initially, I said, uh, this is why they're selling. They won't be able to sign him. But maybe it also means if you do sign him, a team comes in and says, we don't have to worry about Juan Soto. He's with us.
0: And it's not your money anymore if you if you sign him and sell. I hadn't thought of it that way. But if you sign him and sell, what what do you care, right? Right. That I hadn't thought of
2: it yeah. that way until no. yesterday when the GM said keep this in mind. So it was an interesting
0: take on yeah. things. That's good. Thank you, Tim. Talk soon. Thank you very much. Okay, Tony. See you. Tim Kirkjian, boys and girls. He always gets off the phone that way. It's like, oh, okay, you <laughs> know. It's wonderful. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is The Tony Kornheiser Show.
5: He's got your emails and your notes. He'll read them for all you folks. Cause it's the mailbag. Yeah, it's a mailbag. If you drive a car, no super. No, that won't do. If you went to camp, he might pick you. If you send free stuff, you'll get right through.
0: Mailbag. It's the Beatles. Now it's Sean. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's just as good as the Beatles. It's and you're going to play wonderful. that on tax day, right? Just love it. This is tax day. Tack. That's tax, man. And this is tax day, April 15th. Nigel, what about Bethesda Bagels? You brought some over today. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love
5: them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area
0: nearest you, then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, now John at the bar is a friend of mine. He gets me my drinks for free. He's quick with a joke or to light up your smoke, but there's some place that he'd rather be. He says, Bill, I believe this is killing me as a smile ran away from his face. Well, I'm sure that I could be a movie star if I could get out of this place. That is a verse from Piano Man that you rarely hear because it's not on the shortened version of Piano Man. Piano Man's a great song. It really, is. Long Island's own, baby. Thanks to our guests today, Brian Windhorst, Tim Kirchin. Thanks to our sponsors, MeUndies and Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Jeremy Dugan in Long Beach, California. I just wanted to let you know that you don't need to wait for the folks at Framebridge to make that lickable picture frame for you. (laughs) The makers of Jefferson's bourbon have taken care of Old Sport. A newer line from the brand is Jefferson's Ocean. Whiskey's aged at sea. They have four expressions. Bourbon, cask-strength bourbon, weeded bourbon, and now a rye whiskey that are all aged in oak barrels on boats that travel around the world. Why do this? Because the way a boat moves on the water with a swaying back and forth, causes the whiskey to interact with the barrel differently than it would sitting in a rickhouse somewhere on land. And while the main target of this aging style is to have the liquid seep into the oak barrels to get richer flavor, these barrels are porous, so inevitably in this sea-salty atmosphere, sea salt will interact with the whiskeys and barrels as well. Sorry I wasn't able to include a bottle with this email, but I figured it might end up in the trash like small curd cottage cheese (laughs) or a signed copy of a Louise Gluck book. (laughs) From Matt in South Riding, Virginia. I just finished listening to your rant on sea salt as I pulled into my local Costco. As I rounded the corner in the back of the store, what to my wondering eyes did appear a bag of organic ridge, plain, ridge cut plantain chips with Himalayan pink sea salt? <laughs> All right. Let me just interrupt this. <laughs> Himalayan, that's mountains. They're nowhere near the sea. Huh? You're going up. You're not at sea level. I'm not sure what type of Wilbonian Midwestern geography we're dealing with here, but the Himalayas are not exactly oceanfront property, which begs the question, what sea are we speaking of? Thank God he wrote that. <laughs> Since we're disclosing crimes, when I was 10 years old, I had a newspaper route delivering the Pittsburgh Press in, you guessed at Pittsburgh. At the end of my street, was a, there was a weird one-way section that had the requisite do not enter signs going the other way. One day, one of them fell down into an older woman's yard. She could not pick it up, so I moved it over by the signpost, and she called the city to rehang it. After weeks of it sitting there and her continued unanswered calls, I just took it. Thirty years and three states later, it still hangs in my garage. <laughs> and since it's the first time, 85-pound black lab mix. If you read this on the air, tell Robodeau in New Jersey, who introduced me to the show, to eat it. He's got the sign. He had pictures of the sign. Abrahim in Silver Spring, she sells... Sea salt by the seashore. (laughs) From Rob Lowe, not that Rob Lowe in North Royalton, Ohio. If you're all fired up about sea salt, then I look forward to hearing about Himalayan pink salt. No doubt this is the Subaru of salt. People not only use it on their food, but they sit in hot rooms with blocks of salt to make them feel better. Exactly what are we doing here? That's what I would say. Kevin Disher in Bay City, Michigan. Regime change, baby. How do you knock an imperial power to its knees in the 1930s? By adding a little sea salt to your diet. You remember empowered women schlepping with kettles to the Arabian Sea, feeling a little bit salty themselves. Strike a flint, kindle a fire, start a revolution. They walk 270 to smoke a Viceroy. Briny Bombay winds smelling of sea change. When you boil it down, it's pretty simple. A small man with huge dreams leading a march like a wave, huh? Pass me the salt. I believe that's the
5: J. J. Peterman version of salt.
0: Just so great. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Um, Trey Watts in Lexington, Kentucky, just got back from a week in France with the wife and kids. Mona Lisa goes great with rosemary and garlic infused <laughs> sea salt. Da Vinci used on the frame. The man was a genius with seasonings. In related news, I'm not allowed back into the loop. From Susan Shiretto, your paisan from Hopog on Long Island. Just a quick note. I rescued a cockatiel 20 years ago whose name is Tweedledee or Tweety for short. Every time Chessie barks, he chirps and tries to talk to her. I know him well, and he doesn't chirp or talk to his own dogs. I think he's trying to make friends from Tweety to you. More Chessie, please. From Andrew Frank. Andrew from Bentonville, Arkansas. My dog and I were listening to Greg Garcia babble about his college experience when a dog was heard barking. I looked outside my garage where I was sitting. I saw no dogs. Then I quickly realized my dog has heard Chessie in the background of the show. Not five seconds later I hear, Chessie, shut up. My dog is named Ginny, yet she ceased her barking simultaneously. (laughs) What a miracle. That's it. From Father Sean Maloney in Corpus Christi, Texas. Forgive me, Kornheiser, for I have sinned. That's right. The official priest of the Tony Kornheiser show needs to make his confession. After graduating high school, three buddies and I traveled to Colorado for a week of fun and hijinks. Mike, whose parents have paid for the condo and the stipulation that we find our own way out, loved the Colorado license plate. In order to thank him for the amazing time the rest of us went to work, Danny Ocean had nothing on us. One guy to keep lookout, one guy to signal, and finally one guy to swipe the plate off a Subaru using a penny and a fork. Having made my confession, I will now make my penance three Johnny Walker blues and a pint of ice cream by the sink. (laughs) From Bill Pitcher, our organist, in Quarryville, Pennsylvania. Ever wonder if your easy pass thief is the same guy stealing your water in Rehoboth? Come to think of it, what's DG up to these days? (laughs) And from Elliot Olshansky, on Sunday morning. Uh, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage asked me to find our measuring tape so that we could measure our second masculine child for a new bike helmet. Unfortunately, said masculine child enjoys playing with the measuring tape, and it was nowhere to be found. Rather than bend the metal measuring tape from my toolbox around his head, I dashed to the kitchen, grabbed the string out of the pantry, which I then wrapped around the child's head, and measured against the metal measuring tape. I was overjoyed at having had occasion to use Nigel's method, but it backfired when I found myself singing, humming, and whistling rope and a yardstick for the rest of the day. Still, there's no doubt this is yet another instance of your show providing information of life for life. Ryan Gesser. In Atlanta, Georgia. If the old saw you are what you eat remains true, I have made a bad decision at our weekly farmers market. But how could I resist when I stepped under the tent of the Hobo Cheese Company and saw the sign for the day's handcrafted small batch offering? You might narratively describe the attack's picture for little, picture for little's not experiencing today's episode on News Channel 8. It's rum dum cheese, (laughs) semi firm cheese aged 60 days. Rum dum. So fabulous. Hobo cheese is a micro creamery currently serving restaurants and markets around Atlanta and Athens, Georgia. So don't expect to find it on the shelves of your local Safeway. Maybe Sansi and your friends at Calvert Woodley can pull some strings and make a call for you. It's pretty cool. Rum
1: Dum Cheese, yes. Rum
0: Dum Cheese. From Gilad Coopersmith in Singapore. I spent $160 on clothes last year. Please tell Andy Poli. From Roy Mathewson in Colorado Springs, Colorado. On Tuesday's Open, I heard you say that when you grill, you give the meat a look. What kind of look at that? Is it a smoldering come-hither look one might have received from Audrey Hepburn? Maybe a smoky eye. I assume it isn't the stink eye. From Andy Shayner in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. I've been a loyal little for over 20 years. I'm a fan of The Godfather, The Beatles, free sandwiches, sarcasm, and holding grudges. I hate pumpkins. I don't drive a Subaru, but I'm an Eagle Scout, and I love to go camping. This show is absolutely for me. From Jay in Fort Myers, Florida, as a former resident of the Green Mountain State, and avid golfer, I can assure you Queensbury, Vermont, does not exist. Queensbury is located between Glens Falls and Lake George in New York. There are three golf possibilities. The closest course to Canada in northern Vermont and furthest from Queensbury is the Jay Peak Golf Resort. Southern Vermont has two notable courses, 50 miles east of Queensbury, Manchester County Club, and the Equinox Golf Resort and Spa. We played the Equinox. We did that, okay? The, la- the latter being a take as many robes as you want resort. Or maybe you meant Keechee, Vermont. Nowhere close to Canada, but sounds kind of like Queensbury, which has two fabulous championship golf courses at the Keechee Club. No, it was, wasn't it was a it? small club. Yeah, it was Queensbury. Shout out to fellow Little and three-time Vermont Sports Writer of the Year, Anna Grierson. I've worked with Anna for over a year now and had no idea she was Little until you read her email on the air. Connective tissue. If you ever make it to southwest Florida, be sure to book a tee time at Old Corkscrew Club. Phenomenal Jack Nicklaus course. Have you heard of that? No. Old Corkscrew? John, Joe Pearson in Indianapolis. On Wednesday show, you made reference to the Stones' play with fire. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who corrects you about how old it is, but there is one thing I find especially interesting about the song. Who's that playing bass? Bill Wyman, you suggest. No, it's none other than Phil Spector. Yes, that Phil Spector, the late Phil Spector. Yes. And Spector's right hand man, Jack Nietzsche, plays the harpsichord. Other than that, it's just Mick and Keith. Also, to clarify my previous email, "Smoke salt is exactly what it says on the label. It's salt that has been smoked. English is an amazing thing. <laughs> From Lisa Thorin in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Does trade offer a coffee that is particularly great for making ice cream? Clearly, it is the next logical step in the delta of these two storylines. One, you like trade coffee, and two, not being able to find Baskin-Robbins coffee ice cream. I bet Michael or Elizabeth could make it for you. You're welcome, Michael. It will be your signature flavor. Coffee ice cream, hold the schmutz. You know that Baskin-Robbins has a tremendous amount of flavors. (laughs) I'm guessing even Sheehan would bet with the public that the number is no lower than 31. And one more. From Jeff Canuthuray in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As soon as I saw this, I knew instantly I had to tell Mr. Tony I've included the master's dinner menu for the weekend. I know it must have been a clear oversight in the obvious next topic after Will Tiger Play. Please use the attached photo, but note they will forever leave us longing for the answer. But did they use sea salt? The (laughs) master's dinner this time was the appetizer was assorted sushi sh- sashimi and yeah, this is a champions the dinner this is hideki matsuyama yeah the miso cod. glazed black cod Mizuaki Wagyu, it's a Wagyu beef ribeye, mixed mushrooms and vegetables, and Japanese strawberry shortcake in its honor. It's the honor of Hideki Matsuyama. And next year, it'll be Scotty Scheffler, and maybe it'll be barbecue.
1: Yeah, well, after his famous Chipotle order, it could be a double meat uh,
5: chicken burrito.
0: (laughs) Maybe it's that. If you're out on your bike side, everybody, as always, do wear white. But we don't have the
5: Sheputzpah to do it. Don't know what you've been going through Or where your heart's been to make you feel so blue Seems like you're hurting from what I can see Let me put my arms around you Show you how love's meant to be sometimes love can be such a fleeting thing Some people will treat you carelessly It can make you feel like it was never meant to be But don't believe that or take it seriously If it's real If it's real love you need, real love, just think about me. Think about me. Mm-hmm, baby. Just think about me for some real love. I know the feeling, finding love's been hard for me. Been shaken a few times in disbelief that's why when i see you i could really see it's hard to hide the hurt even when it's way down deep if it's real love you want real love it could be me and if it's I know you have your sweet little dreams And how you wanted it all to be You can have it By now finding love might seem hard to believe Don't you believe It's right there for you to see Love me for you If it's real Thinking about holding you with some of that real love,
3: mystery, mystery, I'd have probably done the same thing, too gets paid to make sure kershaw lasts the season through he's been heard every year and the season is long that's why he's managing and i'm here writing songs mystery mystery i'd have probably done the same thing too